0: Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is Gabriel's trumpet for Sunday, February the 28th, the second Sunday in the holy season of Lent. This Sunday, we turn our attention to one of the most dramatic scenes in all of Scripture Old Testament and New Testament. It is the transfiguration of Jesus on Mount Tabor in the presence of Peter, James, and John. Uh, There are various versions of this in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but we'll center our attention on the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. And the Transfiguration, it may seem, uh, is is rushing things a bit. Uh, We're only beginning the second week of Lent, and already we're talking about the Transfiguration, and yet we'll, we'll see why that's important uh, in just a moment. But uh, Matthew tells us that uh, Jesus takes uh, Peter, James, and John, and uh, they go up to the high mountain. That is, when the scripture says the high mountain, it's the, the top of the mountain. It's Mount Tabor. And he is transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. But in addition to Peter, James, and John, there appears the two great Old Testament figures, Moses and Elijah, Moses representing the law, and Elijah, the prophets. And Jesus is speaking with them and standing in the middle of them. For Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. God has been faithful. God has now sent his only begotten son to fulfill and perfect the law, the old covenant, and establish the new one. And he fulfills the prophecy that indeed a deliverer, the Messiah, the Savior, would be sent, not in a way they expect, not a political leader. He's not some kind of uh, military liberator. He's not in love with power, but he shows the power of love through his death and resurrection. And while Jesus is conversing with Moses and Elijah, uh, Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And this is Peter's way of wanting to keep Jesus on the mountain, the mountain of transfiguration. Uh, Peter likes that. Uh, The disciples always like when Jesus is, uh, as we say, on his game. Uh, This is the Jesus... Uh, who is between the two great figures and uh, and Peter, of course, wants to stay there uh, to bask in the glory of the one that he left everything to follow. And while he's still speaking, a bright cloud casts a shadow over them. And the cloud says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is the confirmation, this is the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is the one sent to defeat sin and death and to open the gates of paradise so that the great reconciliation between God and each and every one of us can take place. So this is a what the scriptures would call a theophany. It is the revelation of God in a dramatic way and the confirmation of Jesus as the Son of God. I am pleased to listen to him because to hear Jesus is to hear the Father in the Holy Spirit. And the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate. Prost- falling prostrate is a sign that they are in the presence of the divine the one true living God. But Jesus came and touched them and says, Rise, do not be afraid. It's not something to fear. The very presence of God is about salvation. It's about healing. It's about mercy and the forgiveness of sin, the overcoming of death, It's spiritual death that separates us from Almighty God. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus alone in other words we are not to build tents and dwell in the transfiguration because there's a step before the transfiguration it is the disfiguration and that's difficult for all of us it's difficult for peter and james and john and the disciples that jesus had to be disfigured before he could be transfigured He had to go to the cross on Good Friday before there would be the glorification and the exaltation of the news that Jesus has been raised from the dead. There can be no crown without a cross. There can be no resurrection without the sacrificial death of the perfect Lamb. Jesus, the Son of God, truly human, fully human, and at the same time, fully, whole, and completely divine. Divinity and humanity meet. The only way that true healing can take place from sin is in the God-man, Jesus, the Christ. And in case they miss the point, as they're coming down the mountain, notice they're coming down the mountain. The Church and each one of us, we cannot live on the mountain. Because we have a mission. We are a mission. To go and to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus has overcome our enemies of sin and death. And as they're coming down the mountain, Jesus said, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Do not tell the vision. Why not? Can you imagine? followers that Jesus would have, how many people would uh, want to uh, tweet his account, Who would want to listen to the next words? but it's false expectation. Jesus, when he calls disciples, he bids them to come and die. He bids them to die to themselves so that they can truly live for God. And in some instances, this death is a real death. The death of the martyr. Sometimes it is the loss of one's life. as the pages of history tell us. But at other times, it's the death that takes place. Very often within each and every one of us. In the following of Christ, we may lose friends. We may lose influence. We may lose position. We may lose notoriety. We may be ridiculed, scorned, rejected. That's our own crucifixion. That's our own martyrdom. But yet, that's exactly what Jesus calls us to be and to do. Because the life that Jesus offers is not for this world only. The life that Jesus offers is life eternal. And so, don't be mistaken. Following Jesus does not mean let's build the tents and go live on the mountain forever. We have to go to Jerusalem we have to go to the city of the crucifixion because it will also be the place of the resurrection. And then the disciples asked him, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Because in the Old Testament, Elijah would appear. And in appearing, he would be the one who would announce the coming of the Son of Man, a great figure. Who will usher in God's definitive rule, God's kingdom? Uh, Jesus says to them Elijah did indeed come and restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him what they pleased. Uh, That is, who is this Elijah that has come? It is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the last great prophet, the one who points to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And John tells his own disciples, go and follow him. I am not fit to carry his sandal strap. He is the one, he is the Lamb, who takes away the sins of the world. My ministry is done. I have fulfilled my plan in salvation history by preaching the coming of the Messiah. I was faithful to being the voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Clear his path. John the Baptist has done that beautifully. And John the Baptist will suffer a martyr's death. Once again, follow Jesus and the, again, Jesus never promises total, complete bliss and peace, trouble-free. It's just the opposite. Jesus promises you the cross, but it is the cross that leads to the resurrection and eternal life, and Matthew tells us that um, the disciples uh, really did not understand all of this. So Jesus had to tell them directly so that they would understand. Jesus said, he's speaking of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the great herald. So on this second Sunday, uh, we highlight the transfiguration of Jesus and with good reason. Jesus is the Son of God. The very voice of God comes not from Mount Sinai. It comes from from the cloud that appears over Jesus, surrounded by Elijah and Moses and the three disciples, representative of all those who will come and be disciples of Jesus down through the down through the millennia. This is my beloved son. But and this is a big but but it requires coming down the mountain and resolutely walking, walking with Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem, the willingness to pick up the cross daily in the following of Christ. And in so doing, we will indeed face Gethsemane, we will face Good Friday, we will be laid in the tomb But on that glorious day when Jesus returns in glory we will be called forth. We will not any longer be found among the dead. We will be reunited body and soul with the one who is light and life. Disfiguration on the way to transfiguration. That is our Lenten journey And as we begin this second week, it is the journey that continues. And with God's grace, we will be with Jesus in Jerusalem. For Jesus wants us to accompany him. Won't we be his companions in this Lenten season? God bless you.